Next, the golden days of radio. Hi, this is Frank Brizzy, inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring Arthur Godfrey, comedian Stan Freeberg, One Man's Family, plus a parody with Bob and Ray, and a sequence from It Pays to Be Ignorant. For over four decades, people everywhere could tune in every morning and listen to this voice. Good morning. It is Monday, National Boys Club Week. This week, dear friends, club a boy and take him to lunch. <laughs> Isn't that a horrible thought? I am told that Noel Coward was approached by a reporter for the Washington Star. Or was it the London Star? Anyway, it was a star. And he said, Mr. Coward, would you like to say something to the star? Certainly, replied Mr. Coward. Twinkle. <laughs> Life. It's just a bowl of cherries Don't take it serious Life's too mysterious You work, you save and you worry so But you can't take your dough When you go, go, go So keep repeating It's the berries, it's the berries, it's the berries, it's the berries The strongest oak must fall the sweet things in life to you were just loaned. So how can you lose what you've never owned? Life is just a bowl of cherries. So live and laugh at it all. How's that do you, Lou? Yeah. It tickle you, huh? <laughs> so I guess that's it for today And we'll see you tomorrow Be the good Lord willing Arthur Godfrey began his career at Station WTOP in Washington, D.C. in the late 20s. And for most of his 40-plus years on the radio, he held the top spot. Even with his last network program on April 30, 1972, Godfrey had an audience of a few million loyal fans. During his heyday, comedian Stan Freeberg took Mr. Godfrey to task with this parody of The Arthur Godfrey Show. In the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia On the trail of the lonesome pine Well, away, away, away Gee whiz, it's a nice day That's right, Arthur Well, you look like you had a good night's sleep, lad That's right, Arthur It's a pretty tie you're wearing That's right, Arthur <clears throat> That's right, Arthur Oh, I just cleared my throat is all 
Say, I was over to the Douglas factory the other day. They had a one-cent sale. You buy one DC-3 for $100,000, you get the other one for a penny. I think you folks can still get in on that if you hurry right over. That's right, Arthur. Say, how about a tune from Frink? You want to sing Frink? Yes, I do, and my name is Frank. Well, it's Frink as far as I'm concerned. Frank. Say, guess who we had warming up in the audition pen this morning? Who? Morton Downey. Call me Frank. Okay, all those in the cast who want to see my new Honolulu movies, hold up your leg irons. There isn't time, Arthur. The program's almost over. Oh, what a shame. Well, I think I get time for one joke. You see this ukulele? They bought it with no strings attached. <laughs> What's that? What's that noise? It was me, Arthur. I was drinking a glass of noodle soup when you told that last joke. I wasn't able to laugh in time, so I did the next best thing. I goggled. See, it's thinking on your feet. Only the quick thinkers stay with me. Hey, you with the freckles, you're fired. Oh, that's me. I'm looking in the mirror. That's right, Arthur. We'll see you Monday, folks. If you want to have some fun over the weekend, get out and build your own airstrip. It's more fun than a barrel of monkeys. <laughs> Sing it, Arthur. In the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, on the trail of the lonesome One Man's Family was another program that had tremendous longevity. The creator-writer of One Man's Family was Carlton E. Morris, and not long ago he recorded these words about his great success, One Man's Family. This is Carlton E. Morris most often known as writer-director and producer of One Man's Family from 1932 through most of 1960. And now, just a touch of One Man's Family as it was in 1945 with Ken Carpenter as our announcer and Paige Gilman and Gene Ruverall as Jack and Betty. One Man's Family brought to you by the makers of Royal Desserts and Tenderleaf Tea. One Man's Family is dedicated to the mothers and fathers of the younger generation and to their bewildering offspring. Tonight we present Chapter 9, Book 54, entitled, Lieutenant Jack Barber Leaves for the Pacific. Everything will be so safe and sure and wonderful again. It will, won't it? Make it happen, Jack. Make it come true. That's my going away promise to you. It is? To come back and fit into our way of life. That's my promise. Oh, yes. Jack. Yes, Hazel? The jeep's down in front. Oh, no. Thank you. Oh, no, Jack. Betty, you mustn't hang on to me. You mustn't make it so hard. Not this time, Jack. Don't go this time. Darling, they're waiting. Let me go quickly the way I wanted to. That's it. Goodbye, darling. Please don't look that way. Just say goodbye. Of course. Goodbye, darling. I wish I'd been braver. I wish I'd been braver. Comedians Bob and Ray had their own ideas of one man's family, and they expressed them with this parody. Now, one feller's family. 
brought to you by Flyleaf Tea. Today, Chapter 96, Book 187, Volume MMMCXVLIII. You've often heard it said, Ooh, this tea's flat as a pancake. Well, you bet it is. You know she's talking about flyleaf tea, shade-grown and flat as a pancake. Serve it often with melted butter and maple syrup and watch your family excuse themselves from the table. Your guarantee of the best in tea, flyleaf. Non-genuine without the name Tanglefoot embossed in old English cheddar lettering on each strip. Now to one fellow's family, written for radio by E. Thurston Thurston. Today, Chapter 96, Book 187, Volume MMMCXVLIII, entitled Conversation Down by the Seawall. For several weeks now, emotions have been strained down at the Sun Ranch, due possibly to the knowledge that Mother and Father McMurtry face eviction from the old family home. Joey and Chloe have been out of town during all of this, as have Flo and Mo. Merton, away at school, repeating his third year at state, has heard nothing of their trouble. Panky and Panky are upstairs, squeezing toothpaste all over ye old McMurtry family album. And so, with Fentress away at the seawall for the weekend with a box lunch, packed by Mother McMurtry, of chickens from Joey and Chloe's farm in Lower California... The only ones at home are Mother and Father McMurtry. We can't remember the older girl's name, but she's down at the Sun Ranch, too. We hear Mother McMurtry speak. I can't believe it, Henry. We're leaving the old family home after all these years. Yes, yes, Fanny. You're sure that's an eviction notice? Yes, yes, Fanny. Pass the tea, please. Yes, yes, Fanny. Well, not many more days to be having tea over this old table in this oak panel study where we've spent so many happy hours. Yes, yes, Andy. And we haven't given a thought to birthday presents for Chloe and the children either, have we? No, no, Fanny. Oh, dear, I was thinking possibly a cute little teddy bear for Hanky. What do you think of that? Yes, yes. You're so upset, Henry. Why don't you get down to the seawall and talk with our son, Poltergeist? Yes, yes. And don't worry, Henry. Everything will come out all right. Oh, Fanny, Fanny, Fanny. Why, hello, Father McMurtry. Yes, yes. You uh, better button up that sweater, Dad. It's kind of windy down here by the seawall. Yes, yes. Take off your shoes and socks. Kind of wet here. Have some cocoa from my thermos? Peanut butter sandwich? Yes, yes, Stanley. Uh, poltergeist. Heard uh, anything about that notice? No, no. Just waiting, I suppose. Yes, yes. Well, I hope Mother isn't upset by all this, Father. Fanny, Fanny, Fanny. Yes, yes. Well, I... I've been thinking, Father, there is something I can do. Oh, Poltergeist, I, I'd rather you wouldn't. But certainly, Father, I do owe you something for that attic apartment I've had for the past 15 years without paying a cent. No, no, my boy. Oh, but I do, and uh, I've been thinking. Yes, yes? There is something I can do which 
could presumably help the situation. Nothing can help, Paul. I, I know what you're going to say. Yes, yes. You, <laughs> you've been thinking about it then, too, Father. Yes, yes. It's the only thing, as far as I can see. Nothing can help, Paul. That mortgage is just too much for me. I can't pay it. We'll have to get out. But I can help, Father. No one can help, Poltergeist. But I've thought of a plan. It's a little intricate, perhaps, but I'm sure it will work. Well, what is it, Paul? I'll draw the money out of my account at the bank and pay the mortgage. An amazing idea, Poltergeist. I was wondering when you were finally going to kick in with something besides philosophy. <laughs> and so another crisis in the McMurtry household has been solved by philosophical poltergeist. And things look happier for our friends. Listen next time for One Fellow's Family, Book 189, Chapter 28, Volume MMMCXVLIVV, entitled Spring Fever. Ladies and gentlemen, the American Forces Radio and Television Service proudly presents The Retirement 2, yes, third. Chief Samuels is retiring next year after 25 years. I heard he was taking courses in transition training so he can get a cushy job in industry. Hey, that's great, but what was wrong with his service specialty? Industry doesn't seem to need too many torpedo men. Samuels should live pretty good, around 60% of his active base pay and his civilian salary, too. Not bad for a bachelor. Hey, you know the bachelor's motto? <laughs> no kidding around. You know, even after retirement, a service type and his family are eligible for treatment at military hospitals under Champus. I'd just as soon not have to go to any hospital. Then just think of it as a charge account for aspirin. Financial security, retirement pay, health care. Just a few of the benefits of retirement from the armed forces. Find out about all of them from your personnel officer. Yes, third. <laughs> I love it. Comedians, oh no, that's the wrong one. And now what more can I say than here's It Pays to be Ignorant. Ladies and gentlemen, It Pays to be Ignorant. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Our board of experts tonight consists of three people. First, we have the celebrated author, Mr. Harry McNaughton, who has just written a book entitled The Beekeeper's Guide or What to Do for the Hives. But here he is, Mr. Harry McNaughton. Mr. McNaughton, ladies and gentlemen. I have a poem, Mr. Howard. I see. I have a lovely horse. To me, he is a friend. He has a lovely tail. Well, finish it. That's the end. That's the end. Yes. His name is Caboose. His name is Caboose, I see. I suppose he's always last on the track. I see what you oh, mean. Well, next we have a woman who has so many chins, she puts a bookmark between them so she'll know where to put her teeth in the morning. <laughs> a woman who eats like a bird, a peck at a time, Miss Lulu McConnell, ladies and gentlemen. Miss McConnell. Yes. You know, I was reading the most amazing thing in the paper the other day. You were reading something? What was it? Really? Well, it said last year over 30,000 seals were used to make fur coats. Well, what's so amazing about that? 
Well, isn't it wonderful what they can teach little animals to do? Yes. <laughs> now, I see your point there. Miss McConnell, if I didn't know you and someone described you to me, I wouldn't believe it. Next, <laughs> next we have a man who went to boarding school because he wanted to learn to be a carpenter. A man who can't get life insurance because there'd be no way to prove he was dead. Mr. George Shelton. Mr. Shelton. <laughs> Mr. Howard, I just saw you. Been here all you the know, time. I feel like a pair of boxing gloves tonight. I see. And just as punchy. Just as punchy. All right. Say, so, you know, a peculiar thing happened to me last night. I was scared to death. You were scared? Mm. What'd you do? Pass a mirror by something? Yeah, I went. No, 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 no. Not no, this time. Not no. this time. You see, I was in the dark all alone. Yeah. Suddenly I felt for my wallet and it was gone. Gone. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Then I felt for my watch and that was gone. Uh huh. Then I felt for my coat, yeah. my hat. My shoes, my pants, and they were all gone. Yeah? Good heavens, where were you? In bed. <laughs> well. That is certainly a new name for a park bench. Well, there they are, folks. If you think for one minute things will get better, you're just chasing rainbows. Here is our first question this evening. It was sent in by Mr. Ed uh, Lutzer of Floral Park. Here is the question. What president was born on Lincoln's birthday? <laughs> no help from the audience, please. No Are you in a position to uh, answer the question, Mr. McNaughton? Well, frankly, no, Mr. Howard. Uh-huh. No, the position I'm in now is not very comfortable. I see. I always do my best thinking standing on my head. Uh-huh. A clear yeah. case of non-support. I see what you mean. <laughs> Miss McConnell, you should know what president was born on Lincoln's birthday. That was... Uh, Back in your time? Well, me and my old man celebrated our anniversary last week. I see. And he told me I look like a million. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think you look that old, Miss McConnell. <laughs> Maybe a couple of thousand, but not a million. A <laughs> couple of thousand years old, Miss McConnell. You must have known Cleopatra. Ah, uh, no <laughs> doubt. I said, tell me, did she and Mark answer me when now, they... Listen, now, wait a guys. minute. Please, look. I resent that. Class. All right, look, please. We're not discussing Miss McConnell's age. That's no. ancient history. The question... <laughs> the question... Sit down, please. The question before the board is, what president was born on Lincoln's birthday? That's, I ought to know that. I think you should. Now, let me see. Now, don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> don't worry, he won't. He don't know himself. Oh, all right, never mind. Now, let me see now, Lincoln's birthday. Lincoln's birthday. That's a holiday, isn't it? That's right. You know, I was born on a holiday. You were? What yes. day were you born? I was born on February the 10th. February the 10th, that is no holiday. It isn't? No. My mother took the day off. Your mother took the day off? This is terrible. Miss McConnell, can't you answer the question? Is it necessary? Ah, look. What president was born on Lincoln's birthday? James Buchanan. That's wrong, James Buchanan. I know it, yeah. but I gotta say something. <laughs> I don't, nobody will know I'm here. Uh-huh. Is that bad? <laughs> Let's get hey, on here. What's the matter with you tonight? Huh? What's the matter with you tonight, Miss McConnell? Oh, I don't know. I've been feeling a little run down lately. What do you take when you're run down, Mr. Shelton? I always take the license number of the car. I see, that's a good idea. <laughs> I always take onions, you know. You take onions. Onions, they're the secret of good health. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I can eat onions and keep 
Keep it a secret. All right, all right, please. If any of you had any brains, you'd certainly keep it a secret. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I could answer the question if I had a mind to. I see. Too bad you haven't got a mind, Mr. Sheldon. Look, we're talking about a birthday. Oh, a birthday. I had a birthday last week. They gave me the loveliest party. There was a cake with a candle on it for every year of my life. How could you stand the heat, Miss McConnell? <laughs> I think you know I baked a birthday cake for my wife last week. You did? Did you write happy birthday on it? I tried to, but I couldn't get the cake into the typewriter. Hey, <laughs> Mr. McNaughton, if you ever have a chance to lead your life over again, don't do it, please. No, I think if he does it again, he should try pancakes. Yeah, pancakes. And you can make carbon copies of those. Oh, I can see your point there, yeah. You know, I'll never forget the last time I tried to bake a birthday cake. Oh, you tried Oh, dear. When I got the cake all ready, put candles on it, and boy, was that thing a mess. Yeah. Oh, really? What happened? Well, when I took it out of the oven, the candles were all melted. I see. Well, you see, Mr. Sheldon, must have been a very poor quality candle. Yeah. Boy, was I sore. You were sore. I waxed indignant. You waxed. Very good. You waxed indignant. Look, we're trying to find the answer to our question. You mean you lost the question? No, we haven't. Well, why don't you advertise for it? You know, lots of times you get things back by advertising, oh, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, indeed, yes, you know. I remember one time I lost my wallet. Yeah. Had a lot of money in it, too, so I put an ad in the paper for it. Did you get it back? I certainly did. By the same day that I put the ad in the paper, I got it back. You did? Where was it? In the inside pocket of my coat. Yeah. <laughs> there you see, Mr. Howard. See, I told yeah, you, yeah, paste advertising. Yeah, very good. Really. Of course, rather, I would never have found it, you see, if I hadn't seen the ad in the paper. No, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. I can say that. I mean, you can see that. Say, Mr. McNaughton, did you give yourself a reward? Well, I, I offered it to myself, but I refused. You refused. <laughs> you said uh, no, huh? Just an act nothing. of principle, I imagine. Yes. Look. Will you, will you try and answer this? Will you tell me one thing? Why is it you always find some way to make nonsense out of everything I utter? Out of everything you what? Utter, utter. He means he mumbles a lot, you know, talks under his breath. That's mutter. Mutter? Oh, no, Mr. Howard. Mutter means when you get excited and go skipping all over the place. Ah, uh, Miss McConnell, that's flutter. Oh, no, no, no. I beg to differ, old boy. Flutter means to sort of fool around with things without accomplishing very much. Please, that's putter. Oh, no, Mr. Hart, no. You're, you're all mixed up. A putter is a sort of an animal that lives in the water. Uh, Mr. Sheldon, that's otter. otter? A fish-eating animal with webbed feet, a long nose, and whiskers. Now we're back to Miss McConnell again. Yeah, just play it. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week for more shows and personalities from Radio's Golden Days. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.